less stress, more time, more money. Welcome to the Cash Flow Contractor interview. Martin, I should have known better than to uh, leave and go get some coffee for everybody with just you and the guests because you just strike up all these wonderful conversations. Yeah, we're podcast over, man. Did you get that, Ethan? Okay. Actually, we were talking about other subjects yeah, that are of interest like, to she, her, and interest to, yeah, to our guests case, yeah, to our guests and to me. Pleasant conversation. Literally like it. a solid 45 minutes. It's yeah. good. Um, no, so we're I've finally, always been kind of shy. <laughs> we're finally kicking off. Um, and I'm really excited about this topic today because I have a passion for investing in others and investing in the youth. This is something that we'll talk about, kind of a workforce development type thing. But we have a special guest who does this as a full-time job. And uh, we're really lucky to have her on, Jennifer Counts. Thank you so much for being on with us. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, thanks for making the drive in person. Not all of our guests come in person. Uh, we do them online a lot of times, so it's, it's a treat to have you across the table from us. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are and where you're from. So I am from Oklahoma. I went to high school in Lawton and have slowly tr- migrated to Oklahoma City and have been there for the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, I work for the Oklahoma Office of Workforce Development as the Apprenticeship Project Manager. I was hired predominantly on a youth basis, but um, have been working just generally in the apprenticeship realm for the last few months. Excellent. Excellent. Well, um, we're going to be talking a lot about the apprenticeship side of things today, but uh, something that I want to talk about first is just the, the issues with hiring right now. Um, obviously COVID really threw a wrench for a lot of contractors, threw a wrench in their hiring because a lot of people could just live on unemployment right. and make well, we more did, money. Well, we did the math in Oklahoma, 40 hour a week, you're making $21 an hour uh, on unemployment with a $300 mm-hmm. uh, additional benefit from the feds and no payroll tax taken out. Which is and, just nuts. Right. And I have a client who is paying usually he hired a guy I think I wrote an article on it hired a guy for $18 an hour who came back in and said hey I gotta have 25 and he said what do you mean he said well I'm making 20, $21 $20.95 sitting on the bench and uh, not paying payroll tax and you're taking you're paying me 18 and you're taking out payroll tax he said so that guy is back on the couch <laughs> he uh, he left it's so, so it was um, yeah it, it affected and I, I think um, it even for the youth because we will be talking about the youth what was crazy to me uh, I knew some girls they were my team managers on the team that I coach uh, seniors in high school they worked at the payway restaurant here in Norman and uh, I think they had maybe two shifts a week about 10 hours a week and payway closed down for COVID and they went on unemployment and they started making 600 bucks a week. Right. And they were, before that, making like 90. Yeah, they were high school kids. Yeah. yeah. And they were yeah. just like, wow, we got all this money. Yeah. So pretty wild. But uh, you you had a funny story from this week that uh, one of your clients went through. Yeah, it wasn't funny. Well, but. not funny. You, interesting <laughs> well, story. I guess it is to uh, talk about it. It's one of those jaw dropper things. Uh, one of my clients, uh, employs unskilled labor and when I say unskilled you need to know something but it's not high-tech labor and he's paying about $18 an hour he's since up to about 22 to 25 is his range now but on Monday of this week one of his competitors the owner of one of his competitors came to his shop stuck his head in said is so-and-so here said no I'm sorry he's out you want me to take a message said no that's fine so the owner of this competitor walked into his plant and walked up to every employee and tried to hire him. Give him a card? Yeah. I don't know, listeners, how do you feel about that? <laughs> I mean, I'm, it's there, there's a line out there somewhere, and I'm pretty sure that's on the other side. I mean, couldn't you, like, go to litigation for that? Well, I mean, yeah, trespass or something like or that. Something like but, that? but that's pretty – but, he, you know, what are the damages? And he's not trespassing now. I, you know, That's pretty wild. Yeah, it's, um, it's just – well, it, my client called him and uh, 
luckily it wasn't in person, but he called him and kind of read him the riot act, shall we say. <laughs> Matter of fact, my client said, I got a little too angry. Uh, and the, the offending guy called him back about four hours later and apologized and said, yeah. He said, that really was crossing the line. I don't know what I was thinking. He said, but I'm desperate. My client said, everybody's desperate. Yeah. yeah so no excuse. But anyway, that we've come to that point where that's that happened. Yeah, one Monday. of the I I'm part of the Oklahoma or Oklahoma chapter of the American Subcontractors Association and one of the big topics right now is hiring. Okay. Everybody like it's not even just retention or training, it's like we can't find anybody. You hire you there's a company, a pretty big company. They they tried hiring 10 people last month. And only three of them showed up to the first day. Yeah, I mean, just nuts. So, I mean, it's just not working. So, I'm sure that you hear stories like this from a lot of companies you work with. What are some of the things that you hear from them whenever you meet with them? We do hear that quite a bit, um, especially lately, given the impacts of the pandemic. Um, but that's only getting worse because yeah. the Oklahoma economy is expected to grow by 135,000 jobs in the next eight to ten years. That's so wild. that skill, there is a, a skilled, a skills gap that is increasing all the time. So as we continue to grow as an economy in Oklahoma, we need more higher, highly skilled workers than we currently have. Mm. I think there's a, like, I want to say 20% gap um, as we hit that, especially as individuals start to retire. Yeah. How do we retain that talent within our system? Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how are we recruiting people? How do we attract them to our company, given some of these stimulus right. monies that have, have happened over the last year and a half? Yeah. Um, and a registered apprenticeship is a way to do that because you're providing the individual an opportunity to come into a new skill, learn a, a trade, occupation, or however you want to put it, um, and get paid while they're doing that. Yeah. But the benefit to the company is that they can hire that individual at a lower wage yeah, and they're not having to deal with the prevailing wage issue. Mm-hmm. So an apprentice can typically start at 50 to 60% of a fully skilled worker's wage. And then as they are going through an apprenticeship program, they're gaining knowledge, they're gaining companies, competencies they're being exposed to more parts of the occupation because you know obviously there are safety concerns you got to handle that first train them on that and right. move them through Can the process. real quick you yeah. use the word registered apprentice yes would you Clarify define what that, what that is and why why it's necessary to use that absolutely word? so with registered apprenticeship the state of oklahoma has received three federal discretionary grants from the u.s department of labor and for that money we are tasked with developing registered apprenticeships across the state of Oklahoma. That means we are registering programs based on the apprenticeable occupations that the U.S. Department of Labor has approved as apprenticeable. Hmm. There are over 1,300 occupations on that list across a variety of industries, including healthcare, energy, tech, hospitality, you name it. So. When we hear the word apprenticeship, typically that's been tied to blue collar or what we call blue collar professions or right. trades, but it goes much beyond that right. in the 21st century. So it's not the same as an apprentice electrician or apprentice journeyman? It is or, because or, a lot of those, like the union apprenticeship programs, mm-hmm. are registered with the U.S. Oh, Department okay. of Labor. Okay. Interesting. So what you said there's uh, grants that are provided by the government, uh, federal government. Yes. What kind of money are we talking about? We have, I believe it's close to three and a half, to the three and a half, four million dollar range of grants that we've received. Um, we have two that are just state expansion or apprenticeship expansion grants, and then we have one specific to youth apprenticeships. So uh, the Department of Labor qualifies youth as 16 to 24, so it's okay. really that high school to traditional college age yeah and how's that money being used like is it just to employ people like you to help develop these where does that money go it's kind of a combination so obviously yes uh, since I'm tasked with doing those right we have to staff that position but there are also money set aside specifically to help incentivize businesses to develop these registered apprenticeship programs okay Um, we are providing an application to companies 
or they apply, it's $3,000 per apprentice up to um, $12,000 for a single employer. If it's a group of employers, it's up to $24,000, and that's for one occupation. Um, so it would go to supplement the wages? Is it can go to supplement wages, so it's up to 50% of the apprentice hourly wage. And again, um, just to remind you, they're making about 50 to 60% right. of the fully skilled worker wage as long as it's above minimum wage. Okay. And the great thing about an apprenticeship program is there's a rewards for skills gained in the program. So as the apprentice is gaining skills and competencies in that occupation, their wage, increases. their wage increases built into the program. Okay, so based and so you you said up to half of their wage is paid by the. Let me let me caveat that. Sure. So it's we we offer three thousand dollars per apprentice. Okay. Um, up to twelve thousand dollars, which I know isn't a, a ton, but it certainly right. helps, especially for small businesses. Right. Um, and then we have some other things that I'll talk about here in just a moment, but it can be used to help offset that the cost of the hourly wage up to 50%. It's a reimbursement to the company. It's okay. not, we're not paying the wage sure. for it. It can be used for the related technical instruction piece. So again, going back to what an apprenticeship entails, there's the on the job training aspect, and then there's a related technical instruction aspect. So the classroom instruction that assists with the technical skills that they're learning on the job. Just learning and doing. Basically. Learning and doing. So they're going to a trade school maybe or they're at, in college. Mm -hmm. um, you know, they're taking they're going through some sort of training program and they're working for you. Right. So gotcha. they're essentially being able to take everything that they're learning in the classroom, whether it be at a tech school, whether it be a university or a community college and applying that on the job as they're learning. Yeah. And I, in particular, I was I went to school for social social work, can't talk, sorry, and you get all of that classroom instruction, mm -hmm. but it doesn't. Make I don't want to say it do doesn't it. make sense because it does make sense, but it's it's all theoretical it, until you, you have the really opportunity it. to apply. To apply yeah. It. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So an apprenticeship allows the individual to take what they're learning and apply it as yeah. they're going through a program. I think this is really important for a lot of the companies out there. I mean, we had just mentioned people are used to getting paid, you know, $25 or $21 an hour without payroll taxes mm -hmm. from the government right now. But you can tap into a really young workforce that isn't getting paid that on unemployment mm -hmm. and is actually eager to go and do something. They're tired of sitting at their parents' house because they had to move or, you know, they weren't able to find a job. Um, I know right now we have three in, or four interns this summer at our company and they are so eager to learn, so eager to do something different than just sit at home and... Uh, and actually do something that... And, and that they is. are very quick to learn. That's the other thing, like, <clears throat> basically all of our employees, or not all of them, but four of our employees have an uh, intern underneath them that they're supervising. Huh? And they're running out of things to give them because they're learning so, fa they're learning so fast. And I think that uh, there's a reluctancy to training, especially for contractors, they're they're already so busy. Mm -hmm. uh, for any or even for business owners in general, they're just they're so busy. They've hired employees before that haven't worked out. They've had all these issues in the past. They hate the idea of investing in someone just to see them walk out two months later or six months later. Is there any? That's a that's a good point. Is there any obligation, either no. either way? So I mean, the apprentice can leave and the. We're still in at will state, and okay. we're going to remain an at-will state for right. um, short years to come so which means you still you can have the for any reason at all to fire for any reason there is also a probationary period built into an apprenticeship program that is 25 percent of the duration of the entire program so as i mentioned earlier where there are over a thousand occupations uh, those programs can be anywhere from one year to six depending on what you're doing like an electrician for example that program is a five-year program um so it, it depends on that and i actually lost my train of thought well we were talking about obligation and you were responding obligation of the company can fire somebody is yes. there an obligation for the apprentice if to they work don't feel, for the company if they don't feel like the company is a good fit for them they can terminate their contract. You have to tell the Department of Labor the reason why that ended, right. but aside from that... So, I mean, it's no basically issue. at will both ways. Yes. Nobody's obliged. Right. So, gotcha. 
But due to that probationary period, it allows for a company to really determine, hey, is this individual a good fit? And if the contract is terminated during that probationary period, mm -hmm. it does not account count against the company as a non-completed apprenticeship. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So. Gotcha. So what companies, like what does a company have to do to qualify for this uh, registered apprenticeship program to get some of these benefits from the government? So this is happening nationwide. And in fact, the House just passed the National Apprenticeship Act of 2021, and it's now in the Senate to expand some of the work. The last Apprenticeship Act was from 1937, so this Whoa. is a, a big... So this has been around for a while. It has been around for centuries, really. Yeah. I mean, they, they've done this for a very long time. They did it with surveying and, and things like gotcha. that early on. Um, but this is just the, the formalized program in the United, United States, so just getting a rewrite, getting it up to speed, getting it up to where we are as a society now. Yeah. So it sounds like you had mentioned earlier that in Oklahoma there's this you know expected increase of jobs of 120,000 jobs in eight to ten years or something along those lines. Yes. Assuming that's pretty nationwide, some of those stats apply to other states as well. So to qualify for the Oklahoma Registered Apprenticeship Program, a company has to be doing business in Oklahoma. And they have to put forth a occupation that is considered apprenticeable by the Department of Labor. Like I mentioned, with 1,300 occupations, it may not be an exact match to your company, but we can typically find one that's a, a pretty close match. Um, and the U.S. Department of Labor allows companies to modify what they call um, their standards of apprenticeship, which includes um, the on-the-job training and the related instruction, and modify that to what a company's needs are up to 20%. So there is room to make the program fit the company needs. So basically, the way that I'm hearing it is if there is a, a basically you're going to the government looking at what apprenticeships are registered and seeing like different job titles like foreman or um, shop manager, I don't know what, what the different titles are going to be. Welder. welder. Yeah, so welder yeah. would be one, yeah. you've got electrician, Machine you've got HVAC, HVAC. Yeah. you've got CNC machinists and CNC yeah. operators. You even have like customer Carp service yes, specialists, right? We do. So things like that. So basically there's these different titles and then under those titles there's a job description, yes. which is honestly a pretty good way. We talked about job descriptions recently with employee onboarding and if you don't have job descriptions you could probably go to these this site and look at the job descriptions and use some of that as information. Honestly, that's a great point. Apprenticeship.gov, um, under the resources tab of apprenticeship.gov, there is a occupation finder. You're allowed to search, well, not allowed, you can do whatever you want to, but there is an option to search by occupation or by industry. And so it breaks down the different occupations under that industry. And they are denoted by a gold star saying that that's registered with the Department of Labor as an occupation. But um, there are occupations on there that aren't registered um, that still allow a company to look at the competencies and skills needed right. for that occupation. Right. So that's a really good that. way to go and just find yourself some job descriptions for your org chart yeah. or whatever or a it is. place to start. But anyway. going back, what you're saying is if I find an apprenticeship on there and it, let's say it's for a customer service specialist and I'm looking to hire somebody in that area, but the the list of the job description, the functions, the duties, responsibilities of that role don't necessarily completely match up with what I'm looking for. Mm -hmm. I can change that job description up to 20% Yes, and still absolutely. it'll qualify as a registered apprentice. Yes. So once we, we work very closely, my office um, works very closely with companies to determine the apprenticeable occupation. And then we work side by side with the company to write their work process schedule. Again, that includes the on-the-job training aspect and the classroom aspect. So with a registered apprenticeship, they have to be at least 2,000 hours, or which is typically equates to one year of full-time work. And then for every 2,000 hours, there is 144 hours of classroom instruction that is tied to that. Um, Again, that's just allowing the individual to gain some of those additional technical skills. Does the employer pay for that class? It can Is be it? worked out in a multitude of ways. They don't have to. The apprentice can be um, required to pay the tuition, but obviously it's a great incentive to bring on an employee if you have worked out with a career tech or a community college to get tuition waivers or something mm -hmm. like that um, to go through the program. but. 
And some companies even offer the related instruction themselves. So it can be, you can partner with an outsourced organization or you can decide to do the curriculum in-house and, and train them on the Skills educational yeah. ed educational perspective on that. Yeah. Well, I think a really important aspect of this, I know a big deterrent for most businesses is like, I don't know how I'm going to set this program up, but if they contact someone like you, if they're out of state at a different uh, government agency that's parallel to what you do, you will actually walk through the entire process even set up a lot of the legwork it takes to get started. Yes. So there are, when you're registering your program with the Department of Labor, there are certain paperwork that are required to be sent mm -hmm. for registration. And my office assists the companies with all of that paperwork, Yeah. the upfront paperwork um, in the registration process. And that includes the work process schedule. It includes the standards of apprenticeship, which goes over like equal opportunity and talks a little bit about affirmative action and also talks about the minimum requirements for that occupation. Right. So the idea is to bring in um, an underskilled individual and allow them to gain skills throughout the program. Yeah. And so do you, have a, do you have a pool of candidates? We, um, or is it hard to come by or it's like, oh man, I'll, I'll fill out these forms to get the class set up and here we go. So we actually, ha you know, getting somebody interested in an apprenticeship is easier um, on the apprentice side, and we've struggled more with getting employers yeah. enticed. Yeah. So we, we don't have an issue with getting apprentices. Really? It's more of the, hey, company, do you actually want to develop an apprenticeship? I mean, because it's a little, it don't doubt you at all. I mean, it's a little surprising uh, with all the, the job jobs. openings available and yeah. um, that that you're not having trouble finding people. I mean, it's, that's cool. Uh, yeah, I mean, just... we get reached out to by potential apprentices regularly. Like, so hey, what, what appeals to one? them so much about it then? The education component? The, or? the opportunity to learn and earn money while they're doing it. I, I, think, I think, and I could be wrong here, but I would imagine that a, a, the appeal to a lot of it is, I mean, you talk about this, Martin, um, we talked about it with, I can't remember what episode it was, but uh, the job ad that the person put out for a salesperson yeah. and the job posting was for $50,000 and got over 200 applicants for the position and then changed the ad a week later and just put the job as $250,000 for a salesperson. Nothing else changed and only had three applicants. Right. And I think a lot of it is, is just head trash of these apprentices see all these opportunities that people are hiring, but they, oh, I don't qualify. And another aspect of that is employers doing a terrible job of requiring 10 years of experience whenever you know there's a, a in the design world there's a software called Figma that just really released in the past two three years and people will put on the, the job description five years in, of experience using Figma it's like not even possible <laughs> you know, so they do a terrible job of doing things right. like that or, right. you know requiring five years experience and a master's degree and not paying adequately for right. it things like that but I think a lot of it is also people are like, oh, I'm, I'm not skilled enough to apply for this other job. I need to do an apprentice. And so it's a lot easier to think, oh, I can be an apprentice. No, like, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that's the case. I mean, I'm, that's thrilling. That the other wanna... great part of an apprenticeship, it allows for a company to set up career pathways for these individuals to continue to learn within their company. What's a career pathway? What do you mean? So going from a welder, for example, this is easy for most to understand to a machine operator and just slowly moving up advancement down. yeah okay or to Continuing a certified to... welder they, they trump right. a machine operator every time um, <laughs> if you're welding pipelines a machine programmer even like just continuing right. to advance within the industry and with within the company right yeah for sure i, I think um there's there's a huge benefit to Develop, putting in a workforce development program at your company, it sets you apart in your industry because you're going to start getting all the young talent mm -hmm. while everyone else is trying to fight for the people that are already there, that are already molded, and you get to shape a lot of the minds. Let me ask, exactly. is, is that an assumption or is that true? Are they all young people? No, they're not all young people. In fact, in the United States, the average age for an apprentice is 29. That's globally, way young. Uh, globally, you it's kidding? 17. Globally, oh, right. 17. So yeah. we, we have to think back or think to what 
a lot of the European companies are doing, they're starting those programs when students are in high school. Yeah. Um, so trying okay. to reimagine the way that we have thought about education as a whole, where in our society we've been pushing higher ed for decades. Yeah. Go to high school, go to, or go to college, go to, go to college right. because if you don't go to college, then X. But that's not true. No, it's if not. everybody goes to college, we're going to have an issue. Like There are occupations that don't require that. But to your point just a moment ago where you were talking about how companies get in this mindset of they have to have a master's degree or so many years of experience, why is that true? Should it be, shouldn't it be more based on somebody's competencies and skill set than their, their education? Honestly, it should be more based upon their willingness to learn and well, to grow. Too. I mean, you know, I, that's it, what that's I'm a, looking for. I'm right. going to write an article on this, but I query business owners whom I speak to many over the years, what's an ideal employee and what's, you know, best employee versus worst employee you ever had? And I won't go through the list, I've got it on my drive, but it's things like shows up, smiles, willing to do a little extra, wants to learn, team player, uh, you know, just does, doesn't uh, make excuses. And I always laugh because I say, well, none of you guys even said truck driver. Oh, well, yeah, and he's a truck. Well, that's so, true, right? No, uh, to your point of college, and I mean, I had a lot of college, and so I'm sure there's some benefit in there somewhere. But you, you can come out and have a $90,000 a year job as an electrician, or you can go to college and get the wrong kind of degree, one that the market doesn't value, and have a $300,000 debt. Right. And that's yeah, $400,000 difference. Yeah. So this offers so love it. individuals a different opportunity. So yeah. going back to that, Earning while they're learning. I mean, I'm, oh. did, were you a traditional college student where you were just going to school and Khalil not never working? did anything the traditional way. No, 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 that wasn't me. I, uh, gosh, I, I uh, used to toss pizza at a okay. at a restaurant in college. Do you still have the? I, I still got the wrists. Yeah, look at those wrists, man. He's got Popeye arms. I, I don't know if you can see that on I the do? camera. I. Uh, Man, I used, I mean, I interned at a, a mission, uh, Mission of Hope in Haiti for a summer, which was Very extremely cool. fun and hot. Yeah. Um, and then I also coached soccer a lot. So I coached several different teams. That's really what funded my college. Um, I was also, I played soccer in college, so. But think about your, <clears throat> think about some of your friends. I imagine some of them oh, are just gosh. going to school, right? Just going to school. Or, you know, maybe working a part-time job at a restaurant, you know, waiting tables. And then you have that subset of friends that may not have scholarships or financial assistance from family or what have you that are just racking up debt due to college. Yeah. So apprenticeship offers that opportunity. Again, going back to that financial piece, they're making money while they're learning Mm -hmm. and it allows them to pay off the school as they're going if that's what a company chooses yeah. the program to be set up. Yeah, how did, what's the course that a 29, you said 29 was the average, right? 20, yep. What, what's the, the education component? Well, no, I mean, what's the life course? I'm trying to think. What's the career path that they went to that they're 29 and now they're applying to be an apprentice? Have they been in school or have they been working under perform underpaying jobs not and they necessarily just, sometimes it's just they just hear about it and say they hear it's time. this is actually more aligned with what i want to do because you know when you're 18 years old yeah, you yeah. think you know what yeah. you want i changed my major at least three or four times before yeah. i graduated yeah. from college you know i started off like thinking i was going to go to law school so i was like i'm just going to do what I want to do. So I started off as a math major and I was like, well, that's not super practical because I'm not ever going to be a teacher. So I switched to um, business because I was like, well, if I don't go to law school, let me have something that I can fall back on that's sure. applicable. Um, but I didn't like it. Yeah. So I, to me, my passion's been about helping people and apprenticeship is a great way to do that sure. for businesses as well. Like it's, there is a giving back to your community aspect to an apprenticeship program. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not it's not much different than anybody else. Martin, how many people do you know that started their business in their 30s? All of them? Yeah, I mean, so I mean. <laughs> no, there's some they, earlier. Yeah, yeah, but they decided to, oh, I'm gonna change and start my own business, or I'm gonna change and go into this new Or I industry. lost my job, I gotta go. <laughs> exactly, no, that's also what yeah. it is. It's, you know, economic downturns, all those mm -hmm. things. Um, but 
I, I think it's a, a great thing to do to change careers. I mean, I mentioned this book before, but Range by David Epstein, I believe, is an incredible book about just how important it is to get a variety of experiences in your life and how much more valuable it is to people uh, to have that. So, yeah. so one of the components that I haven't fully mentioned yet is when they're receiving the on-the-job training at the work site, they're paired with a fully skilled mentor. So that individual hmm. is there to help the from apprentice. From the company. From the company. Okay. To train the company, or excuse me, train the apprentice to the ways of the company and to that particular occupation. Yeah. So always that there is that very strong mentor aspect, mm -hmm. which to our conversation before the podcast mm -hmm. started is a very important piece because it shows the apprentice that you are invested in their learning, but it also provides the mentor with that, hey, you trust me enough to train this yeah. individual. So there is an increase in morale on both sides of that, Absolutely. both with the apprentice and with the, the mentor and amongst the other employees within the system because they're seeing that engagement with their employees. They're seeing that the company cares about the investment into the workforce. And I think that's an important thing to have in your company regardless if you're doing you know, registered apprenticeships or not, but set up a, a system for, yeah, every employee has a supervisor, maybe it's you yourself, but then for the person that's been there the longest or you know been there and does a good job in a certain specific area or whatever, give them a mentor that can sit there and guide them through, hey, I'm gonna pay for you to take this person out to lunch once a week. And that, mm -hmm. and then they're gonna go grab lunch every week and they're gonna establish a relationship of mentoring. And you know, that's, that's gonna go miles, leaps and bounds for, for your employees. What, what are the, I think we've touched on some of them, but what are the reasons that every business in the world doesn't do this? In other words, what, what are the impediments that kind of like, oh yeah, but. There is a misconception about what an apprenticeship is because for so long the majority of the apprenticeship programs in the United States were tied to construction and manufacturing so they think that it doesn't apply to their company they think that it's just tied to the, the trades but as I, I've been mentioning there are so many occupations and they cover things like healthcare tracks where you can become a certified nurse assistant you can become a licensed practical nurse all the way up to a registered nurse you can have that, like that's a career pathway to your question mm -hmm. earlier. Um, they have ones for help desk, IT support, right. um, customer service representatives. I mean, there are so many occupations that apply that people just don't know. So it's really a matter of uh, re-educating the public on what registered apprenticeship mm -hmm. means in the 21st century. Well, I think that's to to the point about the construction. I think a lot of people understand the idea of like an apprentice electrician, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of contractors, it's not always that they need more techs or whatever in the field, which they do. But they also, I mean, every contractor that I work with needs help with customer service. Mm -hmm. Every, I mean, they need help with sales. They need help with, you know, office administration and those kinds of things. And there are apprenticeships in those areas yes. where you can get access to you know, how many contractors are not up with the times technology-wise and all that kind of stuff. I mean, the newest backup. you can find younger people who can learn the software in literally minutes where it takes you <laughs> weeks to try to just get a, a simple workflow down in a software. They're just, they, they grew up using computers and their phone and they're gonna be able to do it a lot easier than you. Um, it's funny, even, even for our company, we have an onboarding process where we go through software where we train people on the software and it's amazing. Like the interns, literally in a day they've learned five softwares. Like, oh yeah, like we're we're up and okay. running. You yeah. know? Yeah. And and you know, those are the kinds of things that people can take advantage of if they're doing these apprenticeships is the youth understand things that we don't. They understand uh, that you know, things are moving more towards technology and then they have that willingness to learn it as well. Whereas you go and try to find even just an and I, this is probably discriminatory in some sense, but you go and you find an older office admin and you try to turn them on to a new software or system that you're using, you're gonna have issues. Another benefit of working with that particular age group is that you have the ability to mold that individual specific to your company, mm. allowing for you to prevent the creation of bad habits where if we've had an individual come into our company, which I'm sure we have all encountered, 
um, that have been trained in X way, which maybe by industry standards is actually incorrect, you have to go back and try to break that habit. And if anybody's ever tried to break a bad habit, you know that that is not easy. Mm -hmm. So having that opportunity to get this person who's very interested in your industry and train them to your ways of doing business, um, what better way to do it? Absolutely. And there, there are challenges. They don't act like there's not challenges working with youth. I mean, I, I was actually reading another a tweet today that was really funny. It was like, my biggest competitor right now is not uh, losing employees to other companies. It's losing employees to TikTok and just <laughs> keeping their attention. And it, I mean, it's true. I mean, that stuff is addictive and you can just see people scrolling on their phones, all that kind of stuff. But you also have to break some of the stereotypes that you have in your, your head about the youth about the generation below us and all that kind of stuff uh, and you have to be willing to invest in them and if you can you know break that stereotype you will find a gold mine you'll find some really good talent people that are wanting to work that are you know a, a, a future version of yourself yeah, they're rock stars everywhere yeah. all right let's let's jump back to like that mentor piece and think about in our own lives yeah was there that individual that mentored you at some point and what kind of impact did that have on your trajectory as an individual i know that i had several throughout my life that i was lucky enough to have that have really helped mold me into the the person that i am and without that experience i'm not sure i'd be where i am so again like investing in your employee making them feel like they're more than just a cog in a machine Mm -hmm. like you want to make them feel like a person yeah. and apprenticeship really allows companies to, to do that. Yeah. I've been mentoring Martin for the past five or <laughs> six years. I've learned a lot. I now use Google. Have you heard of Google? <laughs> what? It's awesome. No. And then, uh, what's that? what is it? Gmail. Gmail. I use Gmail <laughs> and I got one of these phones. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. You show and you can talk to, you don't have to be hooked to a wire it's awesome yeah so yeah i've benefited a lot from that <laughs> a long that. way huh yeah well that's how i handle technology if i don't know i call cleo and i'll call him in the middle of the night too so i, I do want to know are you oh, actually i wanted to make a point that you had mentioned where you had onboarding processes and you've in your internships so what a registered apprenticeship really allows a company to do is formalize what they may already be doing so i know when based on our prior conversation you um, bring in interns from colleges across the country to come and work yeah. for you that have trained in graphic design or whatever yeah, aspect areas. of your whatever aspect of your company. Um, but this just formalizes that process. Mm-hmm. So the other great thing about the related instruction that I've talked about is that you can do that in a number of ways. You can do that where the individual is going to class and working at the same time and that's referred to as the traditional model of um, related instruction. You can all do also do what they call segmented where the individual is working and then they go to class for a little while, they go back to work, class, um, piecemealing the yeah. program. And then they also have what they call front-loaded related instruction, meaning that before they ever set foot on the job site, all of the classroom instruction for that particular occupation for that year is done prior to. Which I'm sure is a huge benefit to a lot of people that are, you know, say you can establish a relationship with your Votech, Career Tech, um, trade school, whatever you want to call it, and you know the, the teacher there, and every single grad that comes out, they're the, the, they have an apprenticeship waiting for you where you know that teacher you're even influencing the curriculum a little bit right and coming and speaking to the class and now all the talent that's just been educated and understands a lot of stuff and maybe has even shadowed you a little bit is now becoming an apprentice and you're not starting from zero you're starting from you know 60 and you're able to really take them on from there so there's a lot of different strategies that you can probably use to front load that are super beneficial absolutely um, ways to tie into companies, ways to recruit. Um, our office is the oversight workforce board for the state, so we provide the Title I funding for the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act to all of the local boards across the state. Yeah. So that is predominantly working with individuals with barriers to employment, including veterans and veteran spouses, um, dislocated workers, um, under 
or individuals who have um, other barriers to employment. But the funds from that can also be tied to a registered apprenticeship program. So the funds that we talked about earlier where there's $3,000 per apprentice, um, yeah. there are also benefits of working with your local workforce board within your region, which is something that my organization can assist with getting you connected and recruiting a different set of workers that you might not have looked at previously. Yeah. We're also partnered with a variety of state agency partners, including like the Department of Rehabilitative Services. So if you have an individual who you want to apprentice that needs reasonable accommodations, we can reach out to the Department of Rehabilitative Services to see about getting that individual the supportive services needed to meet that accommodation. Mm. So we're within a system that allows um, a number of benefits to companies. So if, if I'm a, I know that if I'm thinking about this, there's a million other things on my plate about doing, you know, just in my business and now I've got to think about this apprenticeship program and then establishing relationships and all that kind of stuff. What is the average time it takes to get started on something? I call, I call your office, I'm, I, I want to get started on it, how long is it actually going to take me? It depends on the, the t amount of time that you put sure, into it. Sure, but let's say so, I, you know, I, can, I, I can give you five hours a week. Then it, should, it could go fairly quickly. We could probably get that done in two to three weeks. Excellent. And the reason I say that is because we take the time to base it off of what your company's already doing. Mm -hmm. We take your onboarding processes, any training that you're doing for your employees, including safety training, um, as well as the job description for the occupation that you're wanting to apprentice. And then we match that up with that apprenticeship.gov where they list the companies, which, which we've talked about um, a little bit earlier, and develop a program that meets the company's needs. So when my office does that, we're working in Microsoft Word, um, trying to come up with a solution based on your input, we use track changes and comments to ask you additional information that we might not already have. Right. And so it's kind of a back and forth. It goes faster if we can you know, sit down and work on it together. Right. Um, and this is person. to write the, this is to, to see write if it's a qualified. No, to, to see if it's qualified for an apprenticeship, that you know takes minutes. Okay. We can have a conversation so is, about what occupations do you have as a need in your company, let's compare that to the apprenticeable occupation list and see if we can find a close match. That part's the easy part. I, I don't want to make this sound like it, it. it's super complicated because it's not. We're just matching what you're doing with the set of competencies that are industry recognized, mm -hmm. nationally recognized, um, and tying those two together. Yeah. So it's just a matter of taking the time to do that, getting your, the company's feedback, making sure that as yeah. that our office is understanding what your needs are and meeting those and then once that process is final like you look at the standards and say yes this meets yeah. exactly the training that i need we send that to the department of labor for registration i've got another question um about kind of education but also just changes you know we had mentioned how you changed majors and i changed i changed majors as well uh and people change career paths all that, that kind of stuff what happens if during the course of an apprenticeship, the apprentice wants to change to a different role that they see inside of your company uh, and you have an availability for that? Do they carry any of that apprenticeship uh, credit over to the other role? Yes, yeah, so if, if the, it's particularly if the company has apprenticeships in those various occupations. So in what they call the standards of apprenticeship or apprenticeship standards, there is a portion where you can outline how your company would provide that individual apprentice with uh, credit for their prior experience. That can be um, actual work experience and that can be classroom experience. Okay. And just how you are going to confirm that they have actually done that and what that process looks like. And then the next question is like, you know, let's say I am a contractor that's hiring an apprentice that isn't really a specific construction job, so more so maybe sales or the office admin or you know customer support specialist. Um, what is the education requirement for that? Is it? I mean, if they're just getting a college degree in let's say business, does that qualify as their education? Uh, how does that work? So, when we're talking about the related instruction, it is very much tied to the occupation. Okay. So if 
like I mentioned, it can include like safety training. It can include like the onboarding process for the company where you go over the policies and procedures for sure. your company. Um, so yes and no. Like if there are if there are courses that they took in college that would fit into what you've outlined as your related instruction component, you can certainly provide okay. that apprentice with credit for what they've done. So you can actually see the, the 144 hours. Is, it's classroom you, hours, not credit hours. So I want to make that. Okay. Uh, but is that, is that required or is that up to or 2,000 hours of work plus 144 hours of classroom? The 144 hours of classroom is required for every okay. year or but every I mean, 2,000 hours. Honestly, that's not that much. Like, it's I, I was, classroom hours, yeah, I was thinking not credit, credit hours, hours, which 144 is like a degree. But now, right. can, does it's that mean classroom in an institution or? I'm, I literally am sitting here. There's somebody I'm going to have call you um, awesome. in her business. It's, she's not a con. Well, she kind of is, but anyway. Um, they have a lot of online stuff uh -huh. uh, for CL, not CLE, CEUs, Credit Continuing Education. That counts, Does too. count? Yes. Yeah. It I mean, that, it that's not a classroom, it but it's... It does not have to be a course for credit. Right. I want to make that caveat. So... There doesn't have to be a certification tied to it. Obviously, that is always a great addition to sure. a program because you want to gain the certificates and, and yeah. things like that that you can carry with you. Um, beyond, which I also have not mentioned, is that there is a national certification once they've completed from the Department of Labor saying, hey, this individual has met all of the skills and competencies for that occupation. So they get that one, but building in other certificates maybe that are industry specific. And they can be your own certificates yeah. that you write? My company, or does it have to be your own training? Yeah, so it like, can be your own training. Okay, so I you can, just need three hours a week for the year. Yeah, and then you're going to hit no, that. Everybody needs more training than that. Exactly. I mean, they're going to get more than that training during an apprenticeship, anyways. Right. So, but when you just need to, to record it, I guess. Right. When people think like, oh gosh, there are these two things happening. Like, I not only do I have to provide a mentor to this individual, but I also have to help them ensure that this individual is getting training. Some of the companies that I've worked with are already really involved with the career tech system. To that point about the front-loaded instruction, you can take an individual from, let's say, uh, the construction training at a local career tech and count that towards their related instruction. Right. Um, because when they come out of those programs, they aren't fully trained in the occupation. They're no. never going to be a journey worker. The way an individual becomes a journey worker is by applying what they're learning in the classroom yeah. on the job. Yeah, I mean, 144 hours, like I'm trying to think of a college class. If they're in college and let's say they took two courses in college that apply to what you did, that would probably add up to basically 144 hours because you're doing like three credit hours a week. So three hours a week of training or of, of the course, I mean. Well, that's uh, over a year. Right. So that's 12 hours a month. Right. I mean, you're, yeah, you're going to hit 144 easily. So right. and if they're and at the Votech, they're going there all day, maybe you're half the day, they're going to hit that pretty quick. Right. And again, it kind of depends on how the company needs. Like I talked to a company yesterday that we were talking about, well, how, how do we fit in the classroom part? And I said, well, it depends on how it works best for your company. They can, they can work the 40-hour work week and go to class in the evening or on the weekend or the company can allow flexibility to that individual where they go to work for four hours a week and then go to the classroom portion on hmm. one day a week. Um, I will make the additional caveat that though we encourage companies to pay their employees while they're attending the related instruction, that is not a requirement. So you sure. will see programs where that is, that is part of it. Um, but the benefit of of that is that yes, they're still employed while they're they're gaining. Sure. Or they will be employed or being yeah. paid um, for the other portion. So I'd love to hear some like success stories or like maybe a individual that or a company that you helped and now they've got two apprentices or whatever it is. What are some like examples you can give us? So I was working with a manufacturing company. Um, actually, was on a webinar with them yesterday, and he had worked in South Carolina where they have a very robust apprenticeship, oh, registered really? apprenticeship system. So he had developed one there just based on the need that they had. And he took his military experience to build the way that the program works. And I think that the military is a really great example of 
what registered apprenticeship means. Yeah. I mean, an individual shows an aptitude for a particular occupation, and then the military structure provides that individual with the hands-on experience as well as the education, education component to help yeah. them grow in their career. Um, so I, I like to use that example, particularly in Oklahoma, because of the number of bases that we have. I think that it helps people, or it's easy for people to understand. You, sure. could, you could think of it the same way as you would like a, a doctor. They have to go through classroom training and they receive the hands-on training when they're in residency. Very similar situation. Yeah. So he developed that program in South Carolina. Did he do it here too? He did. So he developed the apprenticeship program in South Carolina. They opened a plant in Oklahoma and the same workforce challenges where they were having a lack of highly skilled workers came about in Oklahoma. So he was like, I've, I did this here. He brought it to Oklahoma, kind of modified it to the plant in Oklahoma's needs and then registered it here. And that has been, he said that you, you get individuals that know a particular aspect um, in this situation. Again, it's in manufacturing so that they were talking about um, welding and machining and all of the different aspects that they need to know, but how oftentimes they're only finding individuals that know one part of that. Mm -hmm. So the apprenticeship program allows them to train all of these different competencies that are needed for them to really work in the plant. Um, it's a benefit to the apprentices as well because, again, they're, the idea is to guarantee a job once they complete a program. Yeah. I mean, they, they are employed while they're going through, but once they transition from an apprentice to an employee and due to that they feel more loyalty to your company so yeah, it's a co combination of things and then because there is so much focus on safety they had lower error rates um they mm. had a decrease in workers compensation costs because of that safety training um, their retention rates improved so they weren't spending as much trying to recruit and onboard an individual because it wasn't happening as often yeah well, I mean, even then, like, I, I highly, highly doubt that a lot of the companies that uh, probably need this program have a training program in place. You know, it's very just kind of as needed. Okay, you don't know how to do this? Go work with so-and-so. He's going to show you how to run On the machine. On the job training. On the right. job training. In the moment training. training is really what it is. Yeah. Right, it, exactly. And if they, would, if they would go and develop this training program, it would completely open up and cast such a wider net of who they could hire and they wouldn't have to say like 10 years experience needed for this role they could literally say a willingness to learn let's run you through our training program and it'd be so much easier for them to hire people and then if they're part of this apprenticeship program obviously then it really opens it up because they can do even more right so, so you you mentioned earlier that it's you want those employees with a willingness to work a willingness to learn a willingness to show up on time um the apprenticeship helps you find that, that talent, um, but that is an issue that we're having across the board, where we're having conversations with companies and that that is an issue. So mm -hmm. there are there is the ability to help some of those individuals learn those skills as well by if doing a pre-apprenticeship program, what, where they teach what we call like the soft skills, uh, teamwork, employability, professionalism. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that type of thing that I think a lot of us take for granted. Yeah, that not everybody has had the opportunity to refine, if you will. Maybe the opportunity to learn it has been there, and they they have some of it, but it just needs to be refined mm. a little bit. Yeah, it's not in the curriculum either. Right. It, it really exactly. Yeah. It depends on which school you. That's go the to. problem within the moment training is uh, all the things you haven't seen that yet. Right. I thought you knew that. So yeah, this no, this registered apprenticeship formalizes that yeah, yeah. that training and allows the company to have a guide. So if that individual leaves the company, the one that has been doing the training, they already you have a blueprint have yeah. for what you right. want your next employee that's coming in to do. Yeah, for sure. So what I'm hearing is the main benefits are they help you, I mean, practical benefits, they help you as a company, because we're talking mostly to the company side right. here is to help find it helps organize your training there's some reimbursement there, we do right. have some some monies to help the right. program get started I, w I will add the caveat that unfortunately that's not really the reason time. you're doing it it's not it shouldn't be the predominant reason because you're really going to see that return on investment over time 
I will mention that this is like a long-term solution. You're essentially wanting to develop your talent pipeline. Yeah. Figure out where you're getting your individuals from and at what level they're coming in. So if you're tied, to, like you're getting a, a number of um, individuals coming from a particular career tech, but realize that that only gets them to this level, what are we missing and mm -hmm. how to fill that gap. You mentioned earlier that um, this type of program allows companies to be involved in the curriculum part. It absolutely does mm -hmm. because we've seen so often that the education uh, sector thinks that this is the way that <laughs> sh things should be done without that connection to industry. Yeah. And an apprenticeship is forcing that divide to, to close yeah, because they're having to have conversations yeah. with employers of, hey, what do you all actually need? And yeah. not what do we think you need? Yeah, absolutely. That's great. Well, I, I think there's a lot of benefits to uh, employers to creating a program like this, even if it's just taking the idea of an apprenticeship and just incorporating some of the benefits of it, like on, on the job training, a, a program for doing the training and workforce development inside of your company, not just relying on others to do it. Uh, it really opens up a lot, but while you're doing it, you might as well do the apprenticeship model to have registered apprenticeships. And even the benefit of just going to apprenticeship.gov and getting some job descriptions for your company is a... Was that what it was? Yeah. yeah apprenticeship.gov um, allows you to see the apprenticeable occupations. And as I mentioned earlier, it does covers some others. Like I'm working with an employer who is wanting to add uh, midwifery to the apprenticeable occupation list. Um, and she was in the middle of writing the standards for that. There, it's a little bit longer process, but it's doable as well. Yeah. You just have to provide the Department of Labor with individuals across the industry that can they can reach out to to ask, hey, does this align okay. with the industry standards? Um, but as we were doing, or as I've been assisting with that process, I was like, well, there's still these competencies out there. Let's go pull that from there and look at what and how, how to align yeah. what's listed on apprenticeship.gov, even though it's not an apprenticeable occupation yet, but it still outlines the competencies. Yeah, so if you can find some similar competencies in a midwifery, you can probably find some for a lot of the roles inside your construction company. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, this has been super valuable. I, I really encourage listeners to take the long-term approach like you had mentioned and think about how this can really transform the trajectory of your company and the talent that you bring in, not just the, am I going to find somebody right now? Right. Like It'll completely change your model for hiring and completely change how you bring employees into your company and invest in them. Uh, not just with payroll and, and how you support them with a salary, but how you support them with training and advancement in their career. So Absolutely. it's been super beneficial. If you're not in Oklahoma, what, what should you be searching? Apprentice programs? or Yeah, so like I said, um, almost every state, well, I, I don't even want to say almost every, every state should have um, a workforce office that is working on apprenticeship. There are different systems within the state, so you can just say, Oklahoma apprenticeship or Texas registered apprenticeship and it'll lead you to the appropriate state. But given that, um, I will provide our information. So if you do have listeners that are interested in, in states beyond Oklahoma, they can reach out and I can help make Connect that connection them. as well. Apprenticeship.gov hey, is a very useful one because that's the national website um, that can help lead them to that. But again, they can reach out to us at wbl at okcommerce.gov. So Work, it's basically for work-based learning, so WBL at okcommerce.gov. We'll put that in the show notes for sure. And we're really getting close, but there's something I wanted to ask. Uh, is, do you guys do any screening of the candidates? It depends on how the company wants that to work. So not typically. The company really has the ability to stick to their typical selection process if they like. They well, I mean, just quality. I mean, Qualify qualifications at all? I mean, yeah, you you outline your minimum qualifications okay. for the employment and then in you your try standards, to match them. and then we can help in the recruitment process by marketing your program and then connecting you to local okay. board and letting our state agency partners know about your mm -hmm. program. So if they're working with clients that could fit uh, or meet those minimum qualifications for your program, send them your way to apply. Yeah, awesome. I want to throw out one more website, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, apprenticeshipsok.com. So apprenticeships okay. with an S, uh, ok.com. And that provides resources about 
what apprenticeship means and how okay. Oklahoma Works can assist a company in the process of developing a program. And then there's information about our incentive funds on there as well. Awesome. So they can find you through those websites. We'll have those in the show notes. And I think there's a, a really great way for people to start thinking about hiring and stop just thinking about, I got to get a job out out there. Or I've got to go run into somebody's uh, plant and start handing out business cards to all their yeah. employees to see. Don't do that, and especially not if my client happens to be there. Yeah, uh, but really starts taking a long-term approach to hiring and, and development inside of your company. So, absolutely, Jennifer, it's been a blast having you on. Thank yeah, you so thank much you. for sharing all I the information, and uh, we we hope to have you again soon. Thank you so much for the opportunity to speak about what we're doing at the state, and I hope that this allowed your listeners to learn about what registered apprenticeship means and please reach out. I would love to continue conversations and help businesses understand the ins and outs of what that means and if this is a really good solution for their company. Absolutely. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Cashflow Contractor. Check out our website in the show notes or visit thecashflowcontractor.com.